Well, we're continuing our teaching in the book of Acts, and we're, if you were with us last weekend, we celebrated Pentecost, and Paul passing through the upper regions of Ephesus, he ran into certain disciples. He said, had you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said, we've not so much as heard of the Holy Spirit. So we had a great lesson out of the first eight verses of Acts 19. We're going to pick up right where we left off in verse 8 of Acts chapter 19. So, out of love and respect for the Holy Scriptures, please stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue, took the believers with him, then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. Let's pray. God, we thank you for a season of unusual miracles. We are not living in usual times. Business as usual has ended. May there be a season of the unusual power of God on display through your church and through your people. I pray that we have ears to hear and hearts to receive what the Holy Spirit is saying and speaking to our hearts today through the Holy Scriptures. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. And all of God's people said, you may be seated. Paul, what an amazing man of God. What an amazing leader for the New Testament church that he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So he is our prime example of what it means to be dedicated, a dedicated follower of Jesus Christ. He's here in Ephesus, and he's teaching in the synagogue because that was his custom. Anytime he would go into a new city, he would find the local synagogue. He would go in there as a former Pharisee, as a Jew himself, and he would preach Christ. He was doing this in Ephesus for three months, and he was arguing persuasively concerning Messiah. Eventually, the majority of people in that synagogue became stubborn, and they rejected the message of Christ. So Paul was forced to leave. He took all the believers with him, and they had to rent a hall there in Ephesus. It was a lecture hall of Tyrannus, and he rented that lecture hall, and the Bible tells us daily... Daily, he taught about the kingdom of God. I would have loved to have attended Paul's teachings. I mean, he, that, would have been the, that would have been the greatest apologetics course any of us could ever have taken to listen to the Apostle Paul. Every day, <laughs> every day in the lecture hall, he preached the kingdom of God. You know, if it was good enough for Ephesus, it should be good enough for America. We should have the freedom to open up churches in public schools or rent facilities, but did you know there is a growing hostility in many states throughout the United States of America that, are there, that there is a discrimination against new church startups? And not only should we be able to rent facilities and have church and preach the kingdom of God, we should be able to do that in our public schools also, by the way. If it was good enough for Ephesus, as godless as they were, it should work for the United States of America. You know, the most venerated space in America is the classroom. More than the halls of Congress or the universities of higher learning or the chair rooms of the largest corporations here in America or even in most churches. 
It's the educator in public and private schools that wield the most power. They are the poets. They are the prophets. They are the preachers bestowing upon the young minds of our future generation the supposed enlightenment and inspired truth for the refinement and for the training of our next generation. But sad to say that isn't happening in the vast majority of schools today, but it needs to. The problems in America are only going to be solved when America comes back to God and humbles herself before Him. We're living in unusual times. And unusual times require unusual miracles. Once again, verse 11 and 12 of Acts 19, it's astounding to me that God gave Paul this dunamis, this power to perform unusual miracles. Say that with me, unusual miracles. You know, before we can even get to unusual miracles, how many of you would uh, just welcome some usual miracles? Amen. That's what we need. We need some usual miracles, and then we'll graduate to unusual miracles. And what were these unusual miracles? Well, when handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin, really? Yeah. Were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases, and evil spirits were expelled. I would say this was quite unusual. As unusual as it was when the Bible says in the book of Acts, at the beginning of the, of the book of Acts and the, and the birth of the church, that Peter's shadow, when Peter's shadow would touch sick people, they were healed by his shadow. How many know that's not usual? That is in the realm of the unusual. And I believe because we are no longer living in usual times, I believe God can birth and bring about a season of unusual miracles in our lives. How many know there are sick people today that need a healing touch from heaven? How many know there are demonized, demon-oppressed, and demon-possessed people? I'm going to tell you something. There are people in the world, people in our nation. There are people that you might work with. There might be family members that you know. There are people that actually have demonic activity going on in their life, and they need old-fashioned deliverance through the power of the name of Jesus Christ by the shed blood of Christ, by the Holy Spirit, and whom the Son sets free can be free indeed. You know, the word miracles, I did mention it, it's the, that's used here is the Greek word dunamis, and it means, it means power. And these special miracles, or as the translation that we're reading today says, unusual miracles, that word unusual is an interesting Greek word. It's the Greek word ooh. That's how it's pronounced. Uh, the transliteration is O-U. Ooh. Let's say that together. Ooh. Did you know you're going to speak Greek when you came to church today? Ooh, you know, when you see something extraordinary, you're like, ooh, you know, wow, that's unusual. So these were unusual, extraordinary, special, supernatural miracles, or as is in our translation, unusual miracles. Now, what is a miracle? According to the dictionary, it's an extraordinary event taken to manifest the supernatural power of God, fulfilling His purpose. Augustus, the Roman statesman and military and the first emperor of Rome, he happened to say something quite interesting about miracles. He said, the daily miracle of God has grown cheap by repetition. Sometimes there are miracles that God is doing in our midst, but we don't acknowledge them as miracles, and we don't give God the glory for some of the unusual answers to our prayers and miracles that are still happening today, friend. 
David Hume, the Scottish philosopher, once stated, and I'm quoting, a miracle is not a violation of the laws of nature, but the introduction of a new agent. The world, you see, was disrupted by Satan and by man's sin. Therefore, God is now required to intervene at times in validating that disorder. Hence, the miracles of the Bible are really God momentarily normalizing the negative effects of the disruption of sin. That's why, friend, I don't know what your theological persuasion is and how you were raised or what church you were raised in, but sickness is not from God. God created all things good. God created all things perfect, and sickness only came in after the fall of man. So it's never the will of God for you to be sick. And God wants you to be made whole. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus never made someone sick in the Gospels, but he made sick people well. Can we thank the Lord that he makes sick people well, not well people sick? But if we deny God's ability to perform miracles, then God is no longer free, but is restricted by our lack of faith. You know, in Mark chapter 6, Jesus went to his own hometown, and it says there he could do no mighty works except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them because of their unbelief. You see, you can tie the hands of God in your life by having a lack of faith and a lack of belief. The gospel, Jesus said on a number of occasions, according to your faith, be it done unto you. According to your faith, according to your faith, be it done unto you. How many want to see some miracles happen? Some unusual miracles begin to happen, and they can. Back in 2004, I preached a series on miracles, and, and I said this, miracles are God's signature upon His creation that He is sovereign. That's what a miracle is. It's God's signature of love, of grace, and of mercy. How many of you have experienced a miracle or two or three in your life? Raise your hand. Whether it was surviving an accident or a miraculous uh, recovery from some sickness or disease, or God is still in the miracle business. You know, sometimes preachers want to wholesale miracles. Give today, and I'll send you a prayer cloth that I've prayed over, and God will heal you. Well, you know, if you're, if you're trying to merchandise, it probably isn't going to work, right? And who, would, who would want to cheapen the, the goodness of God and the glory of God in such a way as that? But God still heals today. You see, today in which we live, nothing is usual. Matter of fact, look at this verse I found in Ezekiel chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. God's word came to me, this is the prophet speaking, saying, You, son of man, God the Master has this message for the land of Israel. End time. The end of business is usual for everyone. I believe that God, God has a message for the land of the United States of America. End time. Certain things are ending so that there can be some new beginnings. The end time and the end of business as usual for everyone, for the saved and the non-saved, for the church and the unchurch, business as usual is coming to an end for everyone. I don't think there's a verse of Scripture that better explains what we are experiencing in this year of 2020. I mean, unusual times, right? Schools canceled. We've never seen that in our lifetime. Sports canceled. Even Sin City was shut down, right? Entertainment hubs of the world like Disney closed for business. Some churches are still closed. 
And some cities were looking like ghost towns or a scene out of I Am Legend dystopian movie or something. And governors in some states have been wielding power that would make Stalin and Lenin jealous of the power that they've been wielding. Unusual times, to say the least. There are some unusual things that have occurred in the Bible. Uh, here's a few of them. There's a guy named Methuselah who lived 969 years old. That's not usual. There was a man who spoke to a donkey. That is usual. But what was unusual is the donkey spoke back to the owner. That was unusual. You speak to your pets the day your pet speaks back to you and you understand. Go see a doctor. In Deuteronomy 21, there were women who shaved their heads before they got married. How do that's unusual? To shave your head before you get married. Uh, the sun stood still for a whole day, Joshua 10, 13. That's unusual. A man had hair that weighed six pounds when it was cut annually, 2 Samuel 14, 26 tells us. There was a man that had 12 fingers and 12 toes that's mentioned in the Bible. There was a man who had 700 wives and 300 concubines. I wonder how many of them were bald. There was a father who had 88 children, 2 Chronicles 11:21. 88 children. Please tell me it wasn't from that same poor woman. There was a day that the sun went backward. That's unusual. And there is a prostitute who was an ancestor of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me know that is unusual grace at work. Come on, let's thank God for unusual grace. If we will move, though, beyond the usual, God will introduce to us the unusual. I believe that. I believe that's a prophetic word for us. So what do I mean by that? Well, first of all, usual praying has got to end, church. I don't know what your prayer like prayer life has been prior to 2020. I don't know what your prayer life has been prior to this pandemic, prior to this uh, most recent crisis that we're facing in the United States of America. But I'm here to say, the Spirit of the Lord is here to say through me today, usual praying has got to end. We need some prayers like Joshua prayed, sun stand still. And the Bible says the sun stood still. Actually, the earth stopped rotating, but it's the same thing. The sun stood still. We need some darkness-chasing, devil-stomping, hell-raising, demon-terrorizing prayers coming out of the body of Christ once again. We need some desperate prayers like Rachel prayed in Genesis 30, verse 1. You know what Rachel's prayer was? It was quite simple and yet powerful. She said, give me children lest I die. God said, give that woman a baby <laughs> or two, right? There was a desperation about her praying. We need to get back to a desperation in our worship, a desperation in our praying, and an earnestness in seeking God with all of our hearts. For the Bible promises, if you and I seek God with all of our hearts, we will find him. Hallelujah. <laughs> Usual praying has got to end. Usual giving has got to end. You know, friend, throwing a few bucks in the offering every now and then isn't going to cut it for the body of Christ. It's just not going to. And so many Christians, unfortunately, are financially strapped. They can't even begin to obey what God has called them to do. And so we want to help you. 
through our Financial Peace University here, and through classes that we offer, we want to help you get a grip on your finances and begin to apply the principles of God's Word, biblical economics, to your life, because God wants you to walk under His full, the full measure of His blessing for your life. But usual giving has got to end. You know, the old saying is true, when it comes to giving, some Christians stop at nothing, literally. You know, 70% of America, 70% of America, uh, of our population, describe themselves as Christian. We are the largest demographic, the largest religious demographic in the United States of America are so-called Christians. The two next biggest religions in the United States of America are Jews and Muslims. The Jews are only 1.9% of the American population, and Islam is 0.9%. So together with Christians, these are the three biggest faiths in the United States of America, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. You know, on average, the average Muslim will donate $1,309.23 annually to their mosque. Jews donate $1,442.91 on average every year to their synagogue. The Christians, they average giving $817.42 to the work of God annually. The average person in America spends $1,429 on Starbucks, but $817.42 on the work of the Lord. The average household spends $2,482 a year on entertainment. The average Christian gives $872.42 to their house of worship. I'm here to tell you, church family, usual giving has got to end, and we need to begin to honor the Lord with the tithe. And he said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing where there's not room enough to contain My wife and I haven't always done everything right. I tell you what, when we got married, our combined income was $39,000 a year in 1989. I had just started out in ministry. She was a transcriptionist for a radiologist there in Albuquerque. Combined income, $39,000 a year. Guess what we tied that first year and every year after that? $3,900. We did not adjust our giving based on our income. We adjust our spending based on our giving, and we put God first. And I'm here to tell you, if you'll put God first, you will come in first. Usual serving has got to end. The season, a season of business as usual has ended, the Lord has said. And there needs to be an end to usual serving. You know, the average Christian, their serving record, the average Christian, and look to your neighbor and say, you're no average Christian. Go on, just tell them, you're no average Christian. But the average Christian's serving record is dismal. If Christianity were illegal, would there be enough evidence to convict you in a court of law? I hope so, my friend. I hope so. Can anyone look at your life and look at my life and say, that person takes their faith seriously? You know, the early Christian world, they turned their world upside down. Really, it started upside down, and they were trying to turn it right side up. (laughs) Because what's up for the world is what's down for God, and what's down for the world is really what's up for God. How did Christ serve us? Christ served us by serving himself on a cross. That's service. He willingly laid down his life for you and me. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What does that do for you, my friend? 
How does that move you? How does that inspire you? How does that challenge you? Because Christ is our standard. You know, on average, people spend an average of 52 hours per year volunteering their time. How many weeks in a year? About 52, right? 52 weeks in a year. That means, do the math, that's uh, how many hours a week? One, one hour a week. Now, thank God for those that do volunteer. Thank God for those of you that do volunteer. 72% of volunteers are involved within one organization. We love you, we thank you, we appreciate you. 18.3% are involved in two different organizations. We love you, we appreciate you, and we thank God for you. But I'm here to tell you, church family, usual serving, whatever it's been for you and me, has got to end. We need to enter into a season of unusual sacrifice and unusual service for the advancement of the kingdom of God, for the hour is late. These are the last days. May we remain faithful to the coming of our king. Usual preaching has got to end. Whatever usual preaching is, it has to end. We need some unusual sermons we need some unusual men and women behind pulpits today in America and around the nations of the world bringing the word of the Lord. You know, preaching today has never been so shallow, so flimsy. I call it marshmallow sermons. They're soft, they're gooey, they're sweet, but they're, they absolutely have no nutritional value whatsoever. We've gone from preaching to performing here in the United States of America. We have scriptureless, soulless sermons, but boy, are they stylish. Our sermons today are weaker than bus stop chili. We need sermons that are set ablaze and set on fire by heaven. We need sermons that stir the soul. We need sermons that make you mad or make you glad. Sermons that start riots or revival. In the day of Isaiah, there was an angel that took a hot coal from the altar and placed it upon Isaiah's tongue. We need a hot coal from heaven placed on the tongues of preachers in our country once again today, and we need a hot coal from heaven placed on the tongue of every believer where we will begin to speak the inflamed truth of God to our generation. I love what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 20, verse 9. His preaching was bringing all kinds of havoc in his life, getting arrested, getting persecuted, getting abused, thrown in a pit. And in Jeremiah 20, verse 9, he says, that's it. I stop. I put in my resignation. I am not going to preach the word of the Lord ever again. I'm, I'm quitting. I can't speak in your name any longer. And then Jeremiah said, but his word burned in my heart like a fire shut up within my bones, and I was weary of holding it in. Indeed, I could not hold it back any longer. May there be a fire burning in our bones. Jesus said, I've come to start a fire, and I, how I pray it's already burning. May his fire be burning in us. Come on, somebody. May his fire. Give me a witness out there, and those of you watching online, give me a thumbs up. Give me a smiley face. Share the post right now with all your friends. Amen. Preaching, as usual, has got to end. An unusual business has got to end. I don't know how, what, what, what was business as usual before COVID? What was that church as usual before all this? What, whatever it was before, it, it's got to end. My friend, if you're a business owner, I want to ask you a very serious and important question. Have you dedicated your business to the Lord? I hope you have. If you haven't, it's time to dedicate your business to the Lord and to his work, to his honor and his glory. You need to make him not just a partner, you need to make him a majority owner of that business. 
You need to begin to honor him and put him first. And I'm going to tell you something. If you will honor the Lord and put him first, he'll make you the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. You will be blessed going and coming. You will have the supernatural favor of God over your life. You'll have more business than you will know what to do with it. Because God said, I will make your barns, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. How many know God is in the blessing business? <laughs> Hallelujah. And I want, you, I want to challenge all the business owners to pray the Jabez prayer. Look at Jabez, his prayer in 1 Chronicles 4, beginning verse 9. Jabez was more distinguished than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because she had such a hard time at his birth. Jabez means distress. Right now, we are in a season of Jabez. We are in a season of distress in the United States of America. We are in a season of pain in the United States of America. And what's the solution to that? It's this prayer. He was the only one who prayed to the God of Israel. And here's his prayer. Oh, that you would wonderfully bless me and help me in my work. Help me in my work. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all evil and disaster. Now, I want you to read this last part of the verse with me. And God granted him his request. God did what? He granted him his request. When you and I pray a prayer of Jabez over our life, over our businesses, how many know God says, I hear you, and I will answer you, and I will do it for you. God wants to bless your work, and God wants to bless what you do. Faith without works is dead, but works with faith and a prayer asking for God's blessing will make you an unstoppable force moving forward, no matter what the economy is or isn't doing. Paul's sweat cloth. His handkerchief, we preached on that in our Easter message when the, the, the head wrap around Jesus, the handkerchief, was folded neatly and set aside apart from everything else there in the tomb. It represented a hard day's work. Paul's sweat cloth was actually a cloth, that, a handkerchief that was used that they would wipe their brow with. And it was, his handkerchief was taken to those that were sick and they were healed, those that were demon-possessed and they were delivered just by the sweat cloth. Listen. I believe that the spiritual principle there for you and for me is miracles come by inspiration, but many times they come by perspiration. That God will bring miracles through your sweat and through your labor and through your hard work. Paul's work apron, what he covered himself with so that his, his garment wouldn't be ruined, the apron protected him. That apron was taken from Paul after it had touched his skin was, and was given to those that were sick and they were healed and those that were demon-possessed and they were, once again, they were delivered. Paul's work apron. Listen, my friend, miracles sometimes come in disguise as work itself. As work itself. If we will move from the usual, we can believe God for the unusual. And unusual times require unusual miracles. And I want to speak and I want to prophesy over this these, these remaining points over your life, especially you graduates. I declare a time of unusual wisdom is coming upon you. Listen to me. A time of unusual wisdom is coming your way. 1 Kings 4.29, God gave Solomon unusual wisdom and insight and knowledge too great to be measured. I pray that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation the knowledge of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ.
I pray for every young graduate, just as God made Daniel and his friends ten times smarter, ten times wiser, that God would make you ten times smarter and ten times wiser. How many of you want some unusual wisdom in your life in these last days? Amen. Second of all, I I pray that there would be a time of unusual courage over your life. Unusual. It's going to take courage to live boldly. It's going to take courage to face down the giants. It's going to take courage to say yes to what God's called you to do in face of all the distress that may be around you. I pray a time of unusual courage. First Chronicles 12, 27, it says, Zadok, a young man of unusual courage. I pray for a generation of Zadoks and Zadok S's, <laughs> however you would feminize that name. A season of Zadoks, a generation of Zadoks, of young men and young women that have unusual courage and boldness. Who was Zadok, by the way? He happened to be the second most famous high priest in all of the Old Testament. You know, of course, Aaron was the most famous high priest, but Zadok was the second most famous high priest. He first appears during the rebellion of Absalom, when Absalom was revolting and rebelling against the the legitimate heir of the throne placed there by God, David, his father, rebelling against his father. And it was Zadok and Abathar that showed loyalty to David in bringing the ark to him when he was having to flee for his very life. Zadok represents unusual courage, and I pray that God would give you, my friend, unusual courage. I believe it is a time for unusual piety. Second Chronicles 17, 16 says, Amasiah, the son of Zikri, was a man of unusual piety. Who was this, this individual, this Amasiah? He was a military leader in the time of Jehoshaphat. He had 200,000 men that were under him, a great military leader. And he was a man that had unusual piety. And finally, I believe it is a time for us to display and to enter into a season of unusual kindness. Say that with me, unusual kindness. In Acts 28 and verse 2, the Apostle Paul says, the native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun, begun to rain and was cold. Storms have hit. United States of America. It is spiritually, the spiritual temperature is cold, and the church of Jesus Christ needs to offer unusual kindness. We need to kindle a fire of the Spirit in our houses of worship so that all would know they are welcome to come and be warmed and experience the unconditional love of Jesus Christ without ever compromising the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can have compassion and conviction at the same time. We must speak the truth in love. We need truth and we need love. Some churches are in the love, love, love business, but there is no truth. And some churches are in the truth, truth, truth business, but there is no love. We need love, and we need truth. That's what's going to heal the wounds in the hearts of men and women. A time of unusual kindness. That's what we need. Prayerfully and hopefully, we haven't fallen from grace. 
In my personal reading, I'm in the book of Galatians. Paul has a bone to pick in, in, the, in the book of Galatians. He has got some righteous indignation going on. He basically opens up the book and says, Who has bewitched you, O Galatians? They were under a demonic spell. I think many Christians have been bewitched are under a demonic spell. He was angry at the Judaizers that were saying, unless you're circumcised, you can't be a Christian. He said, circumcision or uncircumcision doesn't matter. What matters is Jesus Christ and the cross of Christ. He got so angry at one point, literally, he got so angry at one point, he said, I wish those Judaizers wouldn't just circumcise themselves, but cut it all off. Amen. I'm like, did I just read that? I, no way. That's in the Bible. What translation am I reading out of? Paul was serious. He was dead serious. He said, if I or an angel from heaven comes and, and preaches a different gospel than the one that's already been preached, let him be accursed. Man, he was, he was having some spiritual war. You read the, it's a short book, right? Read the book of Galatians today. You'll get all fired up like I was, <laughs> like I am. Have we fallen from grace? You know, if you fall, you just need to get back up. Sometimes you need somebody to help you get back up, yes. But you just need to get back up. You know, the, the Apple Watch is a funny thing. You know, the other day I was, I don't know why I was playing basketball, but I was trying to play basketball. At my age, it's not safe to play basketball. But anyway, uh, my wife, no, my wife, this Apple Watch is kind of like my, your wife. Uh, it's always talking to you. But uh, <laughs> in, in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. How do you end a sermon like that? <laughs> but it's always <laughs> warning you. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> it's always warning you. So my, my watch went off. My, my watch went off and said, it thought I had fallen. Is this feature that, it, you know, if, if you fall, it, it, it says, should we call 911? I'm like, I didn't fall. I'm just running. I'm playing basketball. I guess it, it's like I'm falling. I'm not, that's how I play basketball. I'm falling. <laughs> So I, I had to let my watch know I'm okay. And then it happened again. I'm like, I need to figure out that feature to turn that off. I mean, I, have you fallen? You know, should we call emergency? Are you okay? Yeah, everything's fine. But thank God it has this warning mechanism that if you do fall, you're alerted. I hope the church is the church. I hope we understand the Holy Spirit is, is the alarm that goes off, is the warning system. If we have fallen from grace, if we have fallen from the standards of the Lord in these last days, church as usual has got to come to an end. I pray that we're not just playing at church, but that we are being the church, and that when we gather and assemble together, we are having church. May this word find a home in each of our hearts today. I like every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, first of all, I pray for people that are in need of a miracle, a physical miracle, those that are battling sickness or disease right now in the authority in the name of Jesus, by the shed blood of Christ on the cross of Calvary and the power of the Holy Spirit and the spoken rhema word of God, I declare you to be whole and sound and healed. I rebuke that sickness and that disease. I curse that cancer that may be in your body, and I command it to leave now in Jesus' name and the authority that's in that name. 
Now, Lord, for those that are being tormented, oppressed, or even perhaps possessed by evil spirits, evil spirit, I speak to you. You have no right. You have no place in this life, in this soul, in this mind. And I, and under the authority of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, I adjure you in the name of Jesus Christ. Come out in Jesus' name. Release them in Jesus' name. I pray the healing, delivering power of Jesus and the anointing oil of heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit over your life right now. Father, I speak mercy and grace, peace and healing now in Jesus' name. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today watching online and you need to surrender your life to Christ or rededicate your life to Christ, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer out loud with the rest of us. I'm going to ask you to say it with your own mouth, mean it from your own heart. Here we go. Dear God in heaven, I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. There's only one Savior. His name is Jesus. I call upon you, Jesus. I ask you now, Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I turn from sin to the true and living God. I receive his love, his grace, and his forgiveness. Dear God in heaven, you're now my father, and I am your child. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. and Give me strength to live for you and serve you all the days of my life, beginning today for the rest of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we thank the Lord together, church family?